0: turn in our Bible today to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1 and uh, I did make the request and given the fact that this was the first day of the month of pastor appreciation month uh, brother Steve did honor me honor the request of, of singing the song there's power in the blood and thankful for that and uh, thankful for the words he had to say about the uh, about the preaching and about the preachers that are here there may only be two that he appreciates after this message but um, but anyway we'll just we'll see we'll see how it goes but uh, I want to speak today on the present tense sin cleansing present tense sin cleansing now we we know that. We've been washed from our sins in His own blood in terms of justification, in terms of our being right with God from the moment we came to believe on the Lord as our Savior or truly believe on the Lord as our Savior uh, up till now and for eternity. We've been washed from our sins in His blood and we have a standing with God that is everlasting, that is eternal. But at the same time, there, that's not the only aspect of salvation from sin. It's not the only aspect in which uh, we are delivered from our sins. There is a sense in which the Scripture ta- it is pretty clear in the New Testament that we might say, as it's been often taught, that we're saved from the past, present, and future tense as far as our sin is concerned. We're saved in a in a, uh, saved in, in a in a way from the uh, from the pow- power of penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin. We we know those things. But that second part, being safe from the power of sin, sometimes I don't think we we grasp that. At least I don't. I don't get a hold of that as well, I don't think, as I should, just even doctrinally, and I think that affects me. It has an impact on my personal life as to where I'm going, and how how I'm living my life, and my attitude as it pertains to God and to sin. And I read here this passage, and I want us to read, we'll read some, we're going to have some scripture reading today a little bit, uh, and through this week, the Lord's just put upon my heart uh, a number of scriptures that, uh, many of which that are not included in the message today, and uh, so, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure that they will be things that, if you think on these things, it'll they'll come to you. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, and let's begin reading verse number 3. It says, That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. And he, uh, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know that we are in him i look at this passage and i, I want to just 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 briefly look at verse number especially verse number 7 here and it says if we but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another in the blood of jesus christ his son cleanseth us from all sin present tense sin Cleansing, Present tense. That's what we want to focus on today. Not to say this that that's all this is talking about, but I think clearly it is talking about present tense sin cleansing. And so, let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings, the opportunity, Lord, to look into your Word and to uh, think upon it today. And, and may it, Lord, it, to whatever extent, move us. Your will be done, Lord, in each of our hearts. And we just pray that you would... Grant to us grace uh, today to to do the things that you've called upon us to do, to be obedient, to, to walk with you, to walk in the light as you're in the light. And we'll give you the praise for what you do. Bless those that are in need at this time, especially those that we've mentioned uh, today. Your will be done, your blessings on the lives of each of these. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> If we walk, he says. For if, but if we walk in the light, if we walk in the light, if we walk, it's uh, they say. Robinson says this present active subjunctive. Brother Victor knows all about that. He knows what that is. Present active subjunctive. Okay, that's the case of if we walk here, and it is if we walk and keep on walking. That's what it's implying here. If we walk and keep on walking. So if we walk is talking about a continuous thing, a continuous activity that's not just a one-time thing, but it is not just one time in your life at some point, but a continuous thing that's going on in your life. It is a process itself that's taken place in the life of the believer. If we walk, if we walk, If we walk in the light as He is in the light... Who's the He here? Well, if we look back in our text at verse number 5, the Scripture says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light and in Him is no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with Him, God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He, God, is in the light... We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His Son cleanseth us from all sin. So clearly, the, in the context here, it is God that's being spoken of. And so it is, He is in the light. God is in the light. The Scripture tells us that in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 16 as well because it says that He's in a light which no man can approach unto. Okay, He has, there is a... Perfection about him and his glory is such that none of us will ever come to the glory of God in that sense in which that the uh, the Lord God Himself is. But are we tired? Well, before I get there, then he says. Next thing he says is, "There's there's, there's no fellowship," <clears throat> and I'm I'm going to paraphrase here and take the negative of this. That there's no fellowship with without walking in the light with God. There's no fellowship with one another unless we're walking in the light with God. The Scripture says here, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. What is He saying? Is that not a qualification here for having fellowship with one another? He says, that you have to walk in the light for there to be fellowship with one another. And that walking in the light is something, again, it's not, a one, it's not something that happened to us, and it's not something that one day will happen to us. It's something that is a process. It is something that is, that is present, active, subjunctive. Okay, You'll remember that, those words. <laughs> present, active, subjunctive. It is that case that says, I'm, I, I, I walk in the light, and I'm continuing to walk in the light. That's where I am. That's what my life is about. And so he says, there's no fellowship without that. There's no fellowship when we, can't, when we don't walk in the light. The, and then he says, if, and if we walk in the light, and I'm going I'm to throw a ringer on you here, because this is what I really do believe about this verse. And that is, it says here, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. I believe that's talking about present tense cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is not talking, just talking about our past tense cleansing, where that Romans says we're justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ we have justification. Clearly that's the case. Clearly we're right with God now and forever when we've truly come to believe on the Lord as our Savior. But now it comes down to walking with the Lord. It comes down to walking in the light. As we walk in the light with God, There is there is cleansing from all our sin. In that through that walking in the light, clearly there is cleansing from all our sin. And I say through it, and I say you can say whatever you want to about it, but it seems to me like sometimes we miss something about sanctification. That we miss some truth about sanctification. Are we tired of the apathy producing doctrine? that says, hey, we're washed from our sins. That's all, folks. <laughs> you know, We're washed from our sins. That's it. That's a lie. That's it. Now, go, go get somebody else saved too from hell. Deliver somebody else from hell and that's it. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's not all there is to the sanctifying effect of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is not all there is. That is not all there is to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not all there is to the life of the believer. That is not all there is to the design of God. Doctrinally, when we look at the Word of God, what God's Word teaches us about sin. Are we tired? Are we go grown tired of that? Neither should we appreciate any kind of progressive sanctification, and I use that word myself and I believe in it, but neither though should we should we accept any kind of progressive sanctification that says I'll never get a victory till heaven anyway that's not the right attitude for us as believers That I'll never get, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for that day when I'm going to get to cross over Jordan and then I'll see victory in my life and I'll tell you what if, you're, if, if that's a reality I, I fear for your soul that's a reality. I really do fear for your soul. Because the truth is, not the... the and I've got to be careful here, and I, I want to be careful, and this is something that I've been concerned about, is that the Word of God tells us, clearly Jesus didn't like the Pharisees and the way they presented the doctrine. He didn't like the fact that, that they would be, put heavy burdens... Upon their disciples, and they weren't willing to pick up move one finger toward picking one of them up themselves and so uh, we got to be careful about that we got to be cautious, we need to be kind as well as God's people, but at the same time, you know I said it uh, last uh, last time that we were here, I believe, and that is that one of the reasons why I'm a Baptist is because they preach against sin. They preach against sin. I need it. I need preaching against sin. I need it for someone to take the word of God and to declare how awful and how disgusting and how how offensive to God our sin is. I need to hear that. I need to be showered with that blessing from on high at times where I'm feeling and knowing and I'm sensing and I'm reminded of in my mind of the sinfulness of sin in my own life. It says here, Solomon and David first. Next page. That's one of the disadvantages of, of not editing your sermons. I didn't say not... I didn't say not preparing your sermons, brother. I, I said I said not editing them. I, I mean, goodness, you know. Anyway, <laughs> but, but I could just tell you were, that's where you were headed. I could tell you that's where you were headed. And uh, in the other place she had a note here. Uh, it said it said weak point pound pulpit. I'm not sure where I'm supposed to put that. Weak point, pound pulpit. You know, is this a weak point? I don't know. Anyway, uh, she didn't do this. Uh, I'm not going to blame her for it. So don't blame her for it. You know, because this is it's kind of risky. Uh, so uh, let's let's start out with some people, some men. Uh, Solomon, Solomon, and we're gonna just look through some people. We're going to look at Solomon. We're going to look at David. Now, if I, I got to get it back in order. Joshua, Job. Uh, going to look at Paul. And we're going to look at uh, Simon Peter. So, And then John again. We'll get back to John. So, there's, you know, there's a lot of hours in a day. Uh, think, listen to, to Solomon. He says, Proverbs 14, 9. Fools make a mock at sin. But among the righteous, there is favor. There's favor among the righteous. What does that mean? You know, you, you think about that passage and, and why does he say there's favor among the righteous? Because, because it is truly it's, and I would add the word unmerited favor. Truly. But it is truly a favor of God to deliver us from sin. It is a tremendous favor from God. But fools make a mock at sin. Well, who are fools? Well, in this context, the fool is being contrasted with the righteous. A righteous person versus a foolish person. Fools make a mock at sin. Fools just think sin is a light thing. Fools don't think sin is a major matter. As I said, I want to listen to strong Baptist preaching. I want to listen to preaching that over the years at least... That there's preaching against sin, strong preaching against sin, and they take sin as a serious matter. They take sin as something that is a vital thing, not making a mock at sin. I don't want to go, I don't want to go to those churches where that you hear the preaching, and the preaching never even mentions the problem of sin in our lives. As a matter of fact, there's some preachers. That supposedly preach the gospel and are trying to draw people to Christ without even mentioning sin. Without even any mention of the need for repentance, without any need mention of the need for the for coming to see the burden, the weight that is upon you because of your offensiveness to God. Don't even mention that. Because it's it's easier to get people to make some kind of a commitment and make some kind of a decision that's going to assure them that they're going to heaven versus preaching the truth to them versus giving them the gospel that has everything to do with my sin has to do with being delivered from that sin solomon says fools make a mock at sin david listen to david Psalm 51, in verse number 12, we remember that, uh, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Well, in that passage in Psalm 51, it is his, it is his uh, psalm in which he had lost the joy of God's salvation, desperately wanted his fellowship with God to be restored. You see, because he came to realize that that truly that salvation is being brought to God and being in a relationship with God and he knew that he had offended God and he knew that that offensiveness to God read Psalm 51 sometime he knew that that offensiveness to God was terrible and it didn't it it, it was so against his new nature it was so against his righteous disposition that he couldn't live with it it was too much for him to bear when he had sinned in the sin of Bathsheba, with Bathsheba. And when he had uh, taken the man's life, uh, the Uriah, the Hittite. But listen, it's a serious thing. Sin's not a, a, a thing that's light to be considered. Uh, then I get to Joshua. Joshua, Joshua chapter 1. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read the first nine verses of Joshua The book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, it says, Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou, and all his people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses." From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. That's your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong. He said, I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to give them to you. It's promised to you. Everything's promised to you. But notice these words. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou shalt, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. He said, I am going to be with you anywhere you go. I'm going to be with you as you go. But I'm going to tell you right now, you need to be strong and courageous. You are going to need, and the children of Israel are going to need it too, to have a fervency about you to defeat your enemies. You're going to need that. You're going to be, you're going I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. You're not going to win the battle of Jericho. I'm going to give it to you, but you're going to do what I say for you to do concerning Jericho. I'm going to give it to you. But you're called upon to do it. To, to follow my direction that I give you. battle ahead over a land that's promised. The land's already promised. But there's a battle ahead over that land. And we are in a battle today with sin in our lives. We have crossed Jordan. I, I contend with people who you know waiting for crossing of Jordan. We have crossed over Jordan. We are in the land of promise. We are in the land of blessing. And it is a time of blessing for us as God's people whenever we are obedient to God and we are yielded to Him and we're having victory over sin in our lives. We are fervent in our hatred, animosity towards sin, toward doing that which is not according to the law of God, not according to the will of God, in our lives. Job. That's Joshua. Then there's Job. Job, uh, we know the story. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And Job is told, is it is said of him that he is a man who is a righteous man, but he is a man that eschewed evil. He was a man who, God just, God boasted of him toward the devil, toward Satan. And he said that he was, this was a man who eschewed evil. Do you know what that word eschew means? It means to deliberately avoid or abstain from. To deliberately avoid or abstain from. It takes deliberateness, if you will, that he's speaking of, uh, to eschew evil. He also, he's a, he's a man, also, he hated sin so bad. And he was so concerned about sin. That he was one who cared enough about his children, about his daughters, and I don't remember what it was, five and seven, something like that. Five daughters, seven sons, something like that. We could, we could read it, I guess. But he he, he he was so concerned about what they were doing. They kept coming together in a house. And he's praying for them, and he is offering sacrifices unto them. And the reason why he gave was because he was concerned that they might do something that was displeasing to the Lord. How was What his concern was, and so he—he's a man who who hated sin, and he knew what it could produce. Job also, in Job thirty-one, in verse number one, and we know that verse where the scripture says that he had made a—he had made a covenant with his own eyes. He made a covenant with His own eyes. He went out of His way to avoid lust by promising Himself not to look lustfully on young women. Not to do that. To avoid cheating on His wife. The Scripture, you can read it there in in Job 31. To avoid cheating on His wife and to avoid abusing His slaves. To avoid abusing those who were his servants who were under him he was he was a man who was concerned and was he eschewed evil he was a man who was concerned about his sinful life about his sinful nature and how that it could get hold of him and could take possession of his life he's concerned about that how about how about some paul we could read Jesus first and Matthew chapter 13. I won't turn there, but we know Jesus gave a parable, the parable of the sower. And in his parable of the sower, the the one ground that bore fruit, remember, that was the thing, none of the others ever bore fruit, did they? None of the others ever had any fruit bearing or anything like that. But there was fruit bearing when it came to the final ground, the good ground hearer there was fruit bearing he bore fruit some 30 some 60 some 100 fold you remember those words of jesus and he says he says there's there's fruit bearing for the true believer there's fruit bearing in the life of that one who is who is truly saved and is really walking in the light there's fruit bearing there but romans look at romans chapter 8 uh And verses 5 through 14, not the way I typically preach. You know that I'm not generally going too much Scripture to Scripture to Scripture. But I'll tell you what, the Lord laid some Scriptures on my heart this week, so you're going to have to bear with it. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. He says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Okay, Who are they that are after the flesh? The unsaved us before we came to know the Lord. <clears throat> but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, but it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It can't. The carnal mind can't subject themselves to the law of God. It's impossible for them to do the will of the Lord. If we find it absolutely impossible to do the will of the Lord, that's pretty bad. It says, you know, you may just have a carnal mind. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. What's the... What's the, what's the uh, they gave her some antibiotics. What's the antibiotics for this, if you will? Well, it's, 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 it's real salvation. That's what it is. It's real salvation from sin. And he says here, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And and what does salvation from sin do for you? It allows you to please God, right? You can please God. Oh, folks, you can please God. I can please God. Oh, I need to. (laughs) More, more, more. I need to. And don't just pray, God, give me the heart to do it. Might as well pray for salvation if that's if that's your problem, because we've already been given the heart to do it. Do you not hate sin? If you're one that's one of the Lord's people, you have that eschewing of evil. You hate sin. It's in there. It's in your heart already. It's a matter of doing it. And we'll look at some other scriptures. But if you, but if ye, verse. We could go on, but look at verse thirteen here, Romans chapter eight verse 13 he says for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die uh, for if ye live after the flesh ye shall die but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body ye shall live there's living for the believer there is there is a life right now to be lived for the believer and if we're mortifying the deeds of the flesh, we'll live that life. We'll have that fellowship with God. We will be walking in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ is cleansing us from all sin. But we need to, as the Scripture is saying here, Paul, why would you be so, so negative as to say you need to mortify the deeds of the body. Mortify. Put him to death. Go out there with Joshua. Follow him. Put the enemy to death. Take it down. Yourself. Do it. I'm giving it to you. Be strong. Be courageous. Do what God's called upon you to do. You shall live. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul, Paul. Why did you have to bring such strong teaching to believers who already are saved from their sins they know the Lord and they're justified and And Paul's already dealt with justification by faith and he's already dealt with salvation being completely and freely by the grace of God but then he says in Romans chapter 12 he says I beseech thee therefore brethren by the mercies of God by by what I've already preached to you. That you what? That you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Present your bodies sacrifice and be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Paul, why would you preach so hard about believers living a righteous life apart from sin why would you do that and I believe it's because it's needed that's why that's why these preachers that we're reading about today preached against sin because it's needed it's needful it's needful for us we need the preaching against sin and he says the, the the context was the grace of God in salvation he turns to their behavior and he says do the right thing and ye present your bodies a living sacrifice holy unto you do it present your bodies he says you're the you're the you're the high priest you're the priest and not the high priest not the lord jesus christ but you're the priest and we are priests and kings with the Lord, and we're the priests, and we're to present sacrifices. And those sacrifices are spiritual sacrifices. Those sacrifices are sacrifices like He's talking about right here, presenting our bodies. First Corinthians chapter nine, Paul says. First Corinthians chapter nine, and verse twenty-four to twenty-seven, he says here. He <coughs> he gives a personal testimony. Are, are are you fighting against sin? Well, are you fighting against sin, preacher? <laughs> you know, it's one thing to... Uh, you know. I, I can tell you. I can say that. I can challenge you with that. Are you fighting against sin? Well, you can challenge me right back and say, "Well, preacher, are you fighting against sin? Are you?" <clears throat> because Paul uh, Paul Paul says, "Hey, this is where I stand." Romans chapter nine, verse twenty four. <clears throat> What's he say here? Know ye not? that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Okay? And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. He has control, self-control in all things. He's controlling himself. He, I don't mean that in the sense in which it, he's beyond God, above God, but I do mean that in the sense in which it, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, and that is that we have temperance, that we have self-control, and we are to responsible for defeating sin in our lives. We need to be courageous. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, he says, here's where I'm at. I therefore run not as uncertainly, so fight I not as one that beateth the air. I'm not wasting my efforts. I am moving forward. I'm not dilly dallying around in sin. I'm not going just trying to, uh, just, just appeasing my old flesh every now and then. I'm not living that way. He says, no, I don't do that. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I preach to others I, I myself should be a castaway he did not want to be like the Pharisees right? That's what, his, that's what his concern was he did not want to be like the Pharisees he wanted if he's going to preach the word he doesn't want there anything to stand in the way of the reception of the word he wants to make sure that you know, he's one that's walking in the light he's, he's not sinless he's not sinless he's not claiming that here He's a, he's a great sinner. But at the same time, He is claiming here the fact that He is fighting. He is in that fight. He says, My body. I keep under my body. I keep under Job. I keep under my eyes. I keep under my ears and what I listen to. I keep under my tongue. What I say, what I don't say, what I communicate somehow what I post, what I don't post whatever it is, I keep under my tongue, I keep under my hands I keep under my body I keep under my feet and where I go, what I do, where I go, I keep under my mind my mind can go- take me to a lot of places, but i got to keep it under how am I going to keep under my mind by the renewing, that he taught me Paul already talked about by the renewing of your mind that you may. why do we renew our minds? Through the Word of God, through the Scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, through prayer, through continually walking in the light, through consistency. But as God's people, it, we, we see here. He so says, "I got to keep under my body." Galatians chapter five. Paul further, Galatians five twenty four to twenty six. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And they that are Christs. And we could read the whole context. There's a lot more to this. And they that are Christs, those are truly the Lord's people, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Okay, that's already done. And I believe that that is talking about justification there. I believe he is talking about, he's saying that we've already crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. It's like whenever you're... You are baptized. You're baptized and you're given a testimony that you've already died, right? That you're already dead. You're testifying to the fact that you are already dead and, and, and that you're dead to sin. He says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Now, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, which we do if we're the Lord's, if we're Christ's, let us also walk in the Spirit. If, if you live in the Spirit and you have truly crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, and the affections and lusts, the heart, if you will, the affections and lusts, the desires of our heart, the imaginations of our heart, are crucified, then, then my heart's been changed. Salvation, when it took place in my life, ended up changing me. It dramatically, fundamentally made a change to me, so that my heart desires different things. My heart is no longer just bound to sin, where I can no longer no, not sin. I mean, where I can never do that which is righteous. But now my heart is freed under righteousness. And he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. He says, let's walk in the Spirit. We uh, look to, uh, this is about our behavior. Our behavior. If we live, let us walk. In Ephesians 2, verse 10. Everybody knows it. Ephesians two ten. For we are, after the Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that beautiful passage on, on, on justification. That beautiful passage. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then he says in verse 10, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. When did that creation happen? When we were saved. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. See, God's got a plan for the life of the believer and He's got a bunch of works that they're going to be doing and they're going to be those who are bearing fruit that are going to be fruit-bearing. And they're going to have things that they're going to be doing, but you know what it takes to bear fruit? It takes effort. You know what it takes to truly bear fruit? I mean, it takes it takes that dirt to to get the soil and get the nutrients out of the soil. I mean, it takes the plant to get the nutrients out of the out of the dirt. You know, get the nutrients out of the soil, and it takes the it takes that. And and, and it's got to be watered, and it's got to be taken care of, and then it's got to start sucking in. It takes in all those nutrients. How does that happen? God's the one that's done it all, right? But somehow that plant is doing something. (laughs) It is somehow that plant, by God's design and by God's grace, is doing something, and it turns green. And any of you have a green thumb, you know all about that. Some of us don't. So I was have a hard time getting it to turn green. You know, it just it almost like it was brown from birth. But anyway, uh, dried up and everything. But the fact of the matter is, for the believer, we're to be like trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord for His glory. And so uh, we read here that He says, uh, "Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained." Now Peter. Oh, Peter's got a lot to say about this from 1 Peter. <clears throat> 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. 1 Peter 1 18. He says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of Uh, of god and there's a reason why i just am just completely off base is because as you all know i'm in james so that's why but if you wanted to know what james chapter one (coughs) has to say that was one of the things it had to say so uh, first peter chapter one and verse 18 now it'll be more familiar to me for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot the word of God says here we are not redeemed with corruptible things in other words they were familiar with bond servants they were familiar with slaves and how was a slave redeemed? a slave was redeemed with money a slave was redeemed with, with, uh, with, with riches. Uh, it was, that's how they were redeemed. And he said, well, that's not the way we were redeemed. And he says, uh, we're not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. But notice the next phrase. He says, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. And, and I know that it's easy to just read through that verse and those couple of verses real quick. And to miss what is being said here, and I think I think I've done that before. We're not redeemed with corruptible things, but it says he says as silver and gold. But then he says, "From your vain conversation." The word "from" is the word "ek" in the Greek, and it means "out of." Out of you're not redeemed. Out of he says for for as much as you know that you are not redeemed and he says the price with corruptible things of silver and gold he's going to come back to the price but then he says from your vain conversation you're not redeemed from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers but with the precious blood of, of Christ but he says redemption it's from something that he speaks of here from these and I think it probably was the Gentiles even that had the fathers, that the tradition, they had all kinds of tradition that was immoral. They had all kinds of tradition that was, that was idolatrous. The Gentiles had plenty of tradition that was idolatrous. And he said, hey, you're, you're, you're redeemed from, you're, you're not redeemed with silver and gold, but, but you have been redeemed from your vain conversation. You were redeemed from your vain conversation. What is vain conversation? What's that? What's the word conversation mean in your Bible? It means your way of life. Exactly. It means your behavior. That's what it means. He says, I wasn't redeemed from my old behavior. You weren't redeemed from your old behavior with silver and gold. You were redeemed from your old behavior that you received by tradition from your fathers. With the precious blood of Christ, the most precious thing this world has ever known. Nothing could be more precious. Nothing could be more more refined. Nothing could be more valuable than the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, "That's how I redeemed. That's how you were redeemed. You weren't redeemed with the, but you were redeemed from a conversation. You were redeemed from a way of life." Salvation is more than just being delivered from hell. Salvation is being delivered from a way of life. It's being delivered from your old ways. It's being delivered from the way that we used to walk. Our vain conversation. He says in chapter 2, verse 19. He's not done. Chapter 2, verse 19. He says, he says, "For This is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. You ever heard, we sing the song, Man of Sorrows? Where do we get that? Isaiah 53. Man of Sorrows, what a, what a name. For the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. We, we sing that song, and we sing it with hearts full of worship toward God. And, and it's, it's a wonderful song. It's a glorious song. Man of Sorrows. Jesus Christ was a man of sorrows. But he wasn't only a man of sorrows. I don't believe he was... I believe he was a man of joy as well. He was a man of peace. He was a man of righteousness. He was a man of... There's a a whole lot. He was a man of tremendous love. But he was a man of sorrows. And the ways in which that he was a man of sorrows are kind of described here in this passage of Scripture. uh, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 19. This is thankworthy... This is thankworthy if a man, for conscience toward God, endure grief, suffering wrongfully, doing what was right and suffering for it. For what glory is it if, when you be buffeted for your faults, you shall be, you take it patiently. Hey, bad things happen to us when we do bad things. But if when you do well, he says, and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. And he says, for even here unto you called, you were called unto that. You were called unto a, a messy life. <laughs> unto a life that's going to be conflicted. Unto a life in which that when you do what's right, things don't always work out for you. You see, when you do what's right, for even here until were you called, because Christ also suffered for us. He's that man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and he's, but it was when he suffered for us, leaving us an example. Some people think, oh, see, that's, what, that's all it means. You know, redemption is just Jesus giving us an example how to live. No, 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 no. His blood is important, is vital. His blood, His sacrifice is vital. He wasn't just leaving us an example when He died on the cross of Calvary. But He was leaving us an example in the way He lived His life here. He was leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps who did no sin, neither was God found in His mouth. But how do I know that's what He's talking about? Verse 23. Who when He was reviled, reviled not again. But when He suffered... Uh, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that being dead to sins, he should live; that we being dead to sin, should live under righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. The scripture says here. Uh, I, I believe it, it. It tells us pretty clearly that there is a difficulty that sometimes comes from doing well. From doing the right thing. That's the kind of suffering that the Scripture is talking about uh, in this world that believers are going to endure. That's the kind of suffering is when we do what's right and things don't go well. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 to 20. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. The Scripture says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. He suffered for sins. He did not ever commit one, but he suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That he might do what? Have you been brought to God? That he might bring us to God. Some people think all salvation is about is being delivered from hell. That, that he might deliver us from hell. Well, he did. That's what it, Clearly he did, and a lot of doctrinal teaching in Paul is about that. He did deliver us from eternal destruction, from hell that's not all it's about he the scripture says here he did what he did that he might bring us to God what is it to be brought to God I don't know that we understand that so clearly anymore I don't know that people are preaching on that so much anymore I mean other people besides besides us but uh, preaching on being brought to God what does it mean to be brought to God it's, it's like he says that we were he goes on here in verse 19 uh, chapter 3 verse I'm um, at verse 19 he says by which also he went Christ and preached by the spirit he went and preached unto the spirits in prison which sometime were disobedient what were the what was the condition uh, during prior to the flood what was the condition during Noah's day they were disobedient Everybody, uh, th- he saw the wickedness of man, and he was grieved with the wickedness of man. So grieved that he even was grieved that he even created man upon the earth. But he was grieved why? Because their hearts were so fully and completely given over to sin, completely given over to sin. And you could read about it in, in Genesis chapter six and verse five. Only the words were only evil continually. Only evil continually. There's where they were. Why does does Peter bring this up as an example here on this occasion? Because he says your behavior is supposed to change when you're a believer, when you come to know the Lord. When you come to know the Lord, you don't live the way that they lived before the flood. You don't live that way. You live a different life as a believer. And he says in verse number twenty, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Back to John. Back to John. First John. Back to our text in First John. 1 John and chapter 1, verse 7. He says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. We said we we're going to preach about, and I think we have, that we're going to preach about the, <clears throat> the present tense sin cleansing present tense sin cleansing the blood of Jesus Christ is effectual and I don't think there's anybody that would deny that but the blood of Jesus Christ is effectual now some people deny it in in ways and they don't think they're denying it you know some people have a position have a general atonement kind of a position and they they deny it but they don't realize they deny it maybe and at least some of them don't and some of them maybe they maybe some do, but they're denying something. And uh, But there's effectiveness in the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. It doesn't. There's not a lack of effectiveness in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, if we do not live a life of victory over sin, and we're not fighting against sin, and we're not in this we don't have this, don't possess this eschewing of evil, this hatred for sin, then then something may be wrong. Something could be wrong. and And it could be that we don't know the Lord. That's one thing it could be. But then it also could be that we have gotten away from doing the things that the Lord wants us to do, and that we have deluded ourselves into believing that this apathetic position of saying, well, once saved, always saved, and, and all it doesn't really matter how I live after I'm saved, and all he saved me from hell and the blood of Jesus Christ. I love him so much because his blood saved me from hell. His blood is gonna take me to heaven and that's it. And 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 it doesn't do anything for me here. And I just say, Wow, that just doesn't ring very true with what these writers were writing about. That just doesn't ring very true with the preaching of God's Word. It doesn't ring very true with, I mean, is His blood effectual in the lives and behavior of His people? Is it effectual in the lives and behavior of His people? It is if we're walking in the light. If we're battling our sin with some fervor. If we're deliberately avoiding the skewing deliberately avoiding sin in our lives. We sang the song, and I requested it, that there is power in the blood. If you be free from the burden, would you be free from the burden of sin? There's a burden of sin that is the weight of sin, the guilt of sin that has passed off of us through Jesus Christ. It's like what the children of Israel experienced when they crossed the Red Sea. It's like what the children of Israel experienced whenever they were given the Passover. And, uh, and, and, and they were given the Passover so that the Lord would deliver them. So that the Lord would deliver their household. And he, he says, but there's a kind of burden for sin, I'm going to tell you right now, that I feel every day. There's a kind of burden for sin that you and I experience regularly. Well, there's power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? Would you or evil a victory win? If you want to have victory in your life, you got to strive for the masteries. We got to push forward. We got to be courageous. We got to be strong in the Lord. But strong, would you or evil a victory win? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. He says, one of the the fourth verse, and, and you can read the rest of it, but anyway, would you live daily his praises to sing? Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Oh, listen, there's wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. And I think John is talking about that here when he is clear to say that if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That there is power in the blood for me in the here and now. And there is, there is something about today in what the blood is doing. The, the blood didn't just do something for you yesterday. It didn't just do something for you 30 years ago or however many years ago it was. You came to know the Lord. The blood is still there present doing something for you right now not literally but effectively as far as the teaching and the doctrine of what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary then we ought to be those who are pushing forward and we ought to be those who are not apathetic in our struggle against sin but fighting sin and fighting for righteousness